0: Welcome back to Everything EOS, the longest running EOS podcast, and we are both so excited that you joined us for yet another week of everything happening in the EOS ecosystem. As a quick reminder, please do us a favor, help us out with that algorithm and get more people to learn and understand what EOS is by smashing that like button, give us a subscribe, and uh, maybe even leave a comment on this video to tell the algorithm we're doing the right thing. And as a reminder, if you want to support the show beyond giving a like or beyond subscribing and leaving a comment. You can head on over to everythingeos.io, check out our very cool EOS merch, which is in the wash, because I wear it so frequently and don't want to wear the same shirt every episode. Uh, But it's great merch, and it really does support the show, and you can check that out on our website, everythingeos.io. Zach, what do we have this week?
1: Well, we're not not done talking about ourselves yet, Rob. We've been doing ourselves a disservice if we didn't mention the launch last week of the Everything EOS, EOS EOS.io Developer Courses.
0: Hey!
1: So so we tried getting them out by the end of April. We got them out, I think, May 1st or May 2nd, but we got it out before the episode aired that we said it was going to be live, and it was live, and we've had incredible feedback so far. We are up to 251 students signed up learning about EOS I.O. And a lot of them are are already chugging away through a lot of people, 30 to 50 percent through the course. That's really cool. Um, We're doing exactly what needs to be done with EOS. We are onboarding new developers, people who are on the fence about learning EOS I.O. Now you have a link that you can send them and say, here, go here and and." I don't know how many hours it's going to take. It's eight hours of content, so it might take them a lot longer. But this is where you go if you want to get started on EOSIO, especially if you have some minimal developer experience. You should have no problem. The reviews have been fantastic. We're we have oh, thirty, re- yeah, we have thirty reviews so far, a four point five eight star average. Uh, we also have students from fifty three different countries, so this is global. Wow our audience here at Everything EOS is global with the podcast and so is our courses. Um, Just want to read. I got a bunch of good reviews in front of me. I'm only going to read one. Just we're not talking about this the whole time, but he says the amount of value presented in this course is downright unmeasurable. This has changed my life for the better as an experienced programmer C++ that lacked the tools to tackle EOS swiftly, this course probably saved me another three months of running around in circles. This is a must, in all caps, for anyone looking to finally dive into EOS development. That's a big Stamp of
0: approval right there, baby. Absolutely. Thank you, Kirk, for that review. That is awesome. And there, like like Zach said, over on Udemy, so many good reviews about this course. So if you're a developer, maybe you've programmed in C++ before, maybe you haven't, head on over to everythingeos.io slash dev and uh, take a look at what we have. It's pretty cool. And to think that there are 250, 251, I guess, people that before this weren't necessarily building on EOS. And now, thanks to the Everything EOS Developer course, are out there, they're learning and may someday actually build a dev for the ES mainnet. So just thinking about that, these 250 people out there building because of this course is just such a cool thought and I'm so glad that we were able to contribute this to the community. And just one
1: last thing, the course is absolutely free. We need to clarify that on whenever you go to the landing page, it's everythingeos.io front slash dev. It says it's free if you vote for Cypherglass. That's true, you connect your scatter. If you're voting for Cypherglass, you can get your coupon instantly. But we still give the coupon away for free for anyone who doesn't want to vote or doesn't want to vote for Cypherglass. The only difference is on the web form, there is an extra field that says feedback. And the only way we give the coupon code to these users are if they provide us feedback as to why they don't want to vote or why they don't want to vote for Cypher Glass. And I'm personally manually checking all of these uh, responses. We have not had a single one that had a valid reason. It was all just technical things where they couldn't figure it out. So we sent them the promo code, and now they're on their way developing on EOS.io. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Super exciting. And uh, speaking of EOSIO updates, B1 June is now just a couple weeks away and we have that pre-B1 June mixer on May 31st in Washington, D.C. So if you haven't already, please RSVP at the link. It is on Eventbrite. We'll leave a link in the description. If you're going to be there, we need you to RSVP so that we can have an accurate headcount. The venue, I think... Uh, right now, how many do we have RSVP, Zach? What's so, the, the current uh, uh, number? All right,
1: so let's just read out the link for the people listening that can't see the yeah. screen. It's it is an eventbrite event link, but we have a forwarding link. EverythingEos.io front slash B1 June. That'll take you to the RSVP page. We are up to 85 RSVPs nice. for our pre-B1 June event. And it starts at 6 p.m. at the Beer Garten Haas. In Washington DC and we have an end time of 9pm but that doesn't mean everyone's going home at 9pm it just means all of the people organizing the event if they choose to go somewhere else they will do that probably at nine o'clock some people will probably stay but there's a bunch of other cool stuff to do right on this street it's called like H street so that that's why there's a 9pm end time but if you or coming in late, and it's after 9 p.m., uh, hop into the Everything EOS Telegram channel. We'll tell you where everyone's at. We'll probably end up just being at the Beer garden Haas, but uh, I'm, I'm really looking forward to meeting uh, many members of our community there, from the Block One community, from the EOS community, all communities, including um, the Washington, D.C., just general blockchain community. We have... Yeah. Um, two different blockchain meetup groups in DC who are helping us out with uh, promoting this. They've put it in their newsletters. And these are not necessarily EOS people. And these are the people we want to come to this event. We want uh, people working for the government coming to this event. We want people who are just mildly interested in EOS who are maybe into some other platform coming. And and just the community is the biggest selling point of EOS and EOS.io. It is the most unbelievable thing. We play a major part in it. Um, I, I just can't wait to meet everyone
0: yet again. And uh, speaking of meeting everyone, next week is the official blockchain week in New York City. It's the week that Consensus, which is a huge Ethereum event, happens, uh, along with a lot of other blockchain events. Now, unfortunately, the EOS New York meetup was canceled. Their venue f- fell through, so that event is not happening as planned this week. But uh, as I understand it, there's another EOS event happening. Is that right, Zach?
1: So I, I, like you, I was bummed out that uh, the event we are anticipating with EOS New York, they, they weren't able to secure a venue, but they, they, they will reschedule the event for sometime in June. They wanted to remind me of that. But it just so happens that there is another EOS event happening uh, during Blockchain Week in New York City on Tuesday night, May 14th at the Wooly in the Financial District. Carbon and Akon are both sponsoring an event from 10 p.m. until whenever, and they have open bar, they have a DJ, so it should be a good time. I I will be there along with the, the people I mentioned before that I'll be going with, Um, And I I hope to see some of you guys there, and we could all speculate over some B1 June, and hopefully I'll see a lot of you guys in D.C. also.
0: Nice. And speaking of next week as well, next Wednesday, which is May 15th at 11.30 a.m. Eastern time, or 6.30 p.m. Israel time, I'm actually doing uh, sort of a live over Skype or over Zoom, a meetup with the EOS Israel team. So they put on these awesome meetups directly in Tel Aviv. Now, I can't make it all the way over to Tel Aviv for this event, but I will be tuning in digitally uh, and there should be a recording of that little presentation I'm giving on the last year of EOS. It's it's really a celebration of almost one year of the mainnet and now crossing that milestone of one million EOS accounts on the mainnet as well. So I'll be there talking, hanging out with everybody virtually, so it should be a good time. If you happen to be in Tel Aviv uh, head on over to the Cypherglass YouTube channel. We just put out a video about it with all the details you need to know to RSVP. So you're, you're, are you planning to
1: make any announcements during that or is that just like a year recap? Because I keep hearing rumors uh, from you and Saeed about this ENS, DNS thing you guys have going, <laughs> going on. Uh, so like in the last couple of days, Saeed Jeffries was in, in our Telegram channel and everything Is telegram and he was, giving a lot more information than you've personally given me given me on, on this DNS service. Yeah. Um, what are you able to say about it, and do
0: we have a date yet? So what I can say is that uh, we don't have a specific date, but it is coming this month. So before B1 June happens, EOS DNS will launch, and EOS DNS is ultimately a product from Saeed and the people over at EOS Cafe Block. Uh, They really came in. They said, hey, we've been working on this DNS solution for a while. Instead of you guys going out and building your own DNS solution, why don't you use ours? We'll do a deep integration with EOS name service. And uh, ultimately, we'll be able to release that DNS solution a lot faster. So that is the beauty of this partnership, getting DNS out quicker, turning these EOS account names into decentralized domain names much, much sooner than we would have been able to if we just did it on our own. So a huge shout out to Saeed from EOS Cafe Block. Uh, But it is coming this month like Saeed said, and uh, it will enable any EOS account to be turned into a decentralized domain name. So the way it'll work, you'll download a Chrome extension or something similar, and essentially in your Chrome browser, instead of typing HTTP colon slash slash, you'll type EOS colon slash slash, and then your account name. So in my case, EOS colon slash slash rob.vr will take me to whatever website I want if I have a website hosted there or just want to point it as a redirect to an existing website. So we're super excited about it. The beta is launching this month EOS DNS with EOS Name Service. So be sure to get your domains, or I guess your account names, which will become domains on eosnameservice.io. That's
1: so cool. Uh, Big, big, big public release for
0: the the beta.
1: I I guess it's the first beta release of DGoods. Is that what you would call this?
0: Yeah, this is the first uh, D-Goods beta release. So the alpha release came out, uh, I think this was only a couple weeks ago, where the internal partners, Cypher Glass included, everybody got to look at the code, testing it out. And now version one of D-Goods, the actual beta is here. So that means you can go out, you can make a non-fungible token, you can make a semi-fungible token, and you can start using a lot of the attributes that D-Goods has in their standard for digital goods on EOS. But there was a really cool feature that I wanted to highlight Uh, which is called DEX in a token. Did you read about that at all?
1: I I did. It's basically like the DEX information is like programmed into the token.
0: So one of the biggest problems that, and I tweeted a little bit about this, but one of the biggest problems that plagues DEX's decentralized exchanges today is this lack of liquidity, right? There's not a lot of buyers, not a lot of sellers for different tokens that exist today. Um, And that's sort of exacerbated by the fact, it's made worse by the fact that there are a ton of decentralized exchanges because generally the overhead to launch What is effectively a smart contract is much, much lower than running a centralized exchange where you actually have to manage people's funds. So there are a ton of DEXs and the already limited liquidity gets split up across all those DEXs. But what the D goods DEX in a token does is effectively allows you to sell a digital good, whether that's an NFT or an SFT, or maybe even a normal token on EOS in the future. It allows you to put it for sale as the token itself and have it automatically listed in every single marketplace that supports the DGOOD standard. So imagine if you, know, you were selling a TV in your house, just to give you a real world example. If I could put the TV up for sale, if I could on the screen of the TV say, oh, I want to sell the TV for $100, and it would automatically put it on every website that had a marketplace. It would put it on eBay. It would put it on you know, uh, Local 5 or whatever it is. All the different websites where you sell things, it would automatically place it. And that's essentially what's happening here. You can imagine if I just got, you know, a rare Blanco or a rare sword in in the Blanco's games and I have this item and I wanna sell it, instead of having to then choose, okay, do I wanna list it on this decentralized exchange or this marketplace or the scatter marketplace or the dGoods marketplace, you can list it on all of them just by, within the token itself, putting it up for sale. So that's what's so powerful here is that not only can a user list a token or list an item once and have it appear on every decentralized exchange as kind of this joint shared liquidity pool. But at the same time, it also dramatically lowers the barrier to entry for anybody to set up their own marketplace because no longer do you have to go out and convince people to list only on your marketplace. (laughs) You can just pull in all of these orders from all the tokens that are for sale themselves. So this is going to be huge and I think has a lot of potential repercussions to sort of radiate out into the blockchain space. And like I said, maybe tokens themselves... Uh, Will actually have this functionality in the future as well.
1: My, that so that was obviously my favorite part also because it, it's like a game changer for liquidity as you explained. Absolutely. But the multiple tokens and subtokens in one contract is also notable as well. So yeah. basically, what what these NFTs allow is let's say you you have like the parent NFT that is like a sword. But within that sword, it could have maybe a different type of blade or a different type of hand, or maybe it's a different color. And all of those different attributes could actually be their own sub tokens within a, a token contract. So that is super, super cool. I, I can't wait to see, um, I guess, what the developers come out with as far as that. Uh, they also have the uh, semi-fungible tokens uh, I- integrated in that, which I guess isn't too exciting to a lot of people, but it really is. It's it's basically... it's. I, a good example would be a serialized item. So all items are exactly the same, except they might have one unique attribute, which is the serial number. So that uh, is allowed uh, within the DGoods contract now for the semi-fungible tokens. Um, the one I wasn't as familiar with, though, is this multiple layers of token categorization.
0: Yeah, so the the way I understand it is that you can essentially make a token category for anything. So if I had a token category for sword, it, it's just a way of making it easier for the marketplace owners uh, and even for users just to sort of filter and categorize different asset types. So I could say this is, you know, this sword that I just got in this game is, number one, a game item. You know, I know that it's a gaming item. It's in a game. It's not a movie ticket or a song or something like that. Um, it's a game item, then I can say, oh, it's a weapon, oh, it's also a sword. You can kind of categorize it in that way. But what I thought was really cool as well is the actual metadata asset types have been added in 1.02. So that means, you know, with all of these marketplaces, the 2D or 3D metadata, you know, what the sword looks like in the game, the attributes of the sword, can actually be embedded in the token themselves as a JSON file as well. So you can imagine if I send, you know, this rare sword I just got to you, Zach, the 3d model of that sword if it's embedded in the token will then show up in your wallet and instead of just seeing oh i got this random token from rob.vr oh cool i got this sword i can see the sword i can move the 3d model around all of that is made possible by the metadata so uh, that to me is super super exciting you know
1: you know why that has me excited rob i think we should drop some teasers here i think we should drop some teasers so as part of our uh Growth at everything EOS. We are out, like, we have the merch store. We've had the same merch for like the last two months. It's not that we're not working on it. We have new designs ready, but we're waiting. We were actually waiting for the D Good standard to come out for this very reason. Yeah. Um, we don't have a date yet. Uh, I'd say in the next couple months is a good estimate. But in the future, because of this metadata on the asset types, when you buy merch from the Everything EOS merch store, you are going to get a receipt. NFT, uh, if, if you provide your EOS account, we will send you an NFT for the item that you bought and that NFT embedded in it will have the, the, um, wh- whatever metadata is needed to, to allow you to have that in some of the most popular EOS games. So right, right now, um, I mean, we don't have the agreements in place, so I don't want to um, say that this is happening for sure, but think about it like Blankos or High Fidelity. If you could have the item that you bought in in the physical world, you could have that I- I- item in the game, maybe EOS Knights. Um, if you are a game developer and you want to integrate the everything EOS NFTs, please reach out to us because we are actively pursuing these partnerships and we need to know the data standard type for the items within your game so that we can include it in the metadata for our Everything EOS Merch NFTs.
0: Absolutely. And just to make it very clear what Zach just said, these are going to be limited edition pieces of merch where we might only make 50 or 100 of these new Everything EO shirts. And then alongside that, we're going to mint 50 or 100 of these NFT tokens that represent those shirts as well. So if I buy one of these cool new Everything EO shirts in real life, I will not only get the shirt, but then I'll also get a free NFT token that represents that shirt in the digital world. So your Blancos can wear it. You can put it in any other games. We're super excited about the possibilities here. So if you like this idea, leave a comment, let us know what this first merch design should be. Uh, we have a lot of stuff sort of uh, that we're throwing around right now, determining which one we're going to release first. But like Zach said, super, super excited about this.
1: And if you don't want to use the item in in games, we'll probably have future contests where you could just burn your tokens. Maybe you don't want to use your NFT in Blancos or in High Fidelity or in EOS Knights or whatever other games reach out to us, ITM Games. Whoever wants to come and get our items in their games, if you don't want to play those games, that's fine. We'll probably have uh, frequent contests where you could actually enter the contest by burning your NFT. Um, there's so many different things we could do. So we kind of took some flack with the everything EOS developer courses, how you had to like link your scatter to get the free promo code. We're, we're just trying to innovate here. We don't just talk about this stuff. We do this stuff. We are breaking ground here with what we are trying to do. We are trying to lead the way here at everything EOS. And we hope that everyone is here to come follow us. So like Rob said, if you like the idea for the NFTs, let us know in the comments below. Um, But instead of talking about ourselves some more, let's just move on with D-Goods. Just to mention who the core developers were behind this D-Goods 1.0 standard. Um, It's mainly Mythical Games, and also another project that had some recent updates is Pixios, and who who else is in there? So don't leave them off, Rob, because those are the two I'm familiar with. I know Cypherglass.
0: Yeah, Mythical Games, um, Pixios, Cypherglass, Token Pocket, Scatter, and a ton of other people. So that was sort of the core initial launch team, and then a ton of other partners uh, Nova Wallet, I think, Math Wallet, a bunch of others that are listed on dgoods.org that have joined after that initial announcement. So it's really just a big group of people that all want this standard for digital goods on EOS. And you can see, you know, a year from now, two years from now, how powerful having a standard like this will be when no matter what token is created in whatever new EOS game, it's a part of this standard and can then as a result be used in all these different marketplaces and even be used, be used in other games and other applications as well. So it's super exciting and. and Uh, Something that is really necessary, but like you said, Mythical Games doing most of the coding work, and Pixios has helped a little bit as well. And uh, I think we should dive in on some Pixios updates because yeah, that that was our transition.
1: (laughs) The transition got a little bit messed up, but who cares? Pixios is our next topic of discussion because there is a lot of releases and a lot going on with Pixios. So a few days ago, they're first they're listed on their very first exchange since their token sale. Uh, So they are now listed on Nudex, and they surprised everyone leading up to that. exchange listing they actually announced that they were going to double their staking rewards on on, if if you're staking pixio's tokens uh you were getting like a daily reward basically and they're going to well, they already have actually. it already kicked in. If you keep your token staked in Pixios like you probably have been for the last few months, you should now start noticing that you're claiming double the rewards per day so So that was actually really good game theory, I thought uh, because yeah. you get the you get the exchange listing. you get that everyone is at least considering should I sell? Should I not sell? Well, I think they made the decision easy for a lot of us because they're like, well, why don't you just keep your tokens staked and we'll double your rewards so i'm I'm happy. Definitely. Uh, To see that But that's not even the most exciting news The most exciting news I would say Is the launch of two of their new games
0: And just to clarify real quick The doubling of rewards will actually last through the end of May So you still have a ton of time If you want to grab up your own Pixios on the exchange Or maybe you have some already that for whatever reason You don't have staked You can go ahead and stake it and claim those double rewards Through the end of the month Uh, But like you said, they did actually surprise us With the release of another game in the Game Center Um, Actually two new games So the first is a Flash Edition, a new version of the Pixios Paint Canvas. It's a totally separate canvas, has a lot of new features, uh, a lot of UX and UI improvements. It's pretty cool and sort of shows you where the direction of the overall Pixios Paint Canvas will go, but then the second thing that they surprised us with was the very first game from that Game Center trailer, which is uh, Block Atrix 3000. So this is pretty cool. I would almost describe it I think there's a game that has a similar concept, I, I don't remember the name, uh, it starts with a two, it's a, a series of numbers, but it's almost like Tetris, but with blocks that represent numbers, and you add up you know, two fours to make eight, and then you make another block and make that eight and combine to 16, and it's this constant doubling and combining of numbers to uh, eventually hit this big number and win the game, but that is super fun over on the Game Center. You can check out all of this stuff at the Pixios Hub, which is hub.pixios.one. I know they have a bunch of different addresses, but hub.pixios.one is where you can see everything in the Pixios ecosystem that is out today.
1: And before we move on from Pixios, I just want to give a shout out to Stella. Um, I'm not sure what her title is with Pixios, but she shared some sweet, sweet EOS Pixios shoes that she's going to be wearing at B1 June. I just want to throw them nice. up on the screen to show these puppies off because Ooh. they're <laughs> super
0: sweet. <laughs> yeah, those are awesome.
1: So, sh- shout out to Stella for all the fun memes and cool things you do for the community w- with Pixios and outside of Pixios. I just wanted to, uh, I, th- I think she's actually selling these shoes too. So, I'll throw a link up for that as well if you want to buy the same shoes that
0: uh, you see on the screen here. So other big news in the EOS ecosystem is another EOS VC announcement. And before Zach dives into it, I do want to make a quick note of what EOS VC is. It is this billion dollar DAP fund that Block One has set up to fund DAPs that are building using EOSIO technology. That could be the EOS mainnet, it could be their own private implementation, but they're trying to get basically more DAPs to build on EOS which is uh, such a cool goal. And with a billion dollars, they can really fund a lot of projects. And it looks like FinLab AG out of Europe, which is one of the funds that make up ESVC, just announced their most recent funding endeavor. Is that right, Zach?
1: Yep. Uh, So the press release went out earlier this week for a project called Blockchain Helix. Um, It says it's a seven-figure amount which which is weird. Finlab has this habit of saying everything seven figures. So I think it's uh, you could like maybe think it's in the high single millions, but um, realistically it's generally, probably yeah. in the low millions. It's probably like one to five million dollars. We don't know.
0: Uh, generally, it might when be... somebody says seven figure, it's like oh, we made a million dollar investment, and yeah. it, you know it's not nine million generally. But that's good. I mean. With the amount of money that FinLab has, I think it's a $50 million fund. That could be 50 projects or 40 projects that come out of this one ESVC fund. So I think it's great.
1: This is the smart way to do it uh, because you're getting skin in the game. You're motivating the team. But then the team still holds majority equity in, in their company um, and and they've got a lot of flexibility from there because they didn't just give away the house so to speak and like you said FinLab by by doing these low single digit million dollar investments they're able to diversify their investments much further by, by not going all in and giving them like a $30 million investment like Everipedia got from Galaxy Digital, for
0: example. And this is uh, just one of many recent announcements from FinLab. So we talked about moodlining that has 700,000 users that could potentially be exposed to the EOS ecosystem. We talked about Next Big Thing, which is an Internet of Things IoT incubator, uh, looking at a bunch of different companies. So sort of one big chunk of money that will then fund a lot of smaller projects and companies within it. And then this is the most recent. So A lot of people were excited. This is actually an identity solution.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's really hard to find really good information about this because a lot of the websites and press releases I come across are actually in German. And my Google Translate kind of tries to figure out what it's saying, but it's not not a perfect system. But they are uh, an ID verification platform. They have a KYC onboarding process. They have a way to store data privately um, on your local um, device. And and it's basically you you could decrypt it through blockchain to, I guess, own your identity. Um, so the identity is something that we've talked about so many times here. And it's, it's one of the things people are predicting that block one potentially has solved for block one June. And a lot of people I, I saw on Twitter think maybe this is the solution. I, I don't think this is necessarily the identity solution we're going to see for B1June, but I don't know because we have heard rumors uh, at the event in San Francisco that there will be a KYC component to Block One's social media platform. Um, And and just because this announcement came out this week, it doesn't mean that the investment didn't happen months ago. Uh, So we don't know when that investment happened, but it, it, Since it's also FinLab, I I have a feeling that maybe the Moonlighting project could potentially use this digital identity platform. So I think, like, the individual EOS VCs themselves are trying to kind of set their own uh, incubated, like, portfolio companies. They're trying to set them all up to have some synergy to work together. But I also have no doubt that there's some direction from above as far as, like block one having a say in the EOS VC, and they might be talking to all of the individual funds and saying, we need this, we need this, and we need this. Find the best companies in the world that, that are willing to do it and willing to do it on EOS IO. So that's another reason why I don't think this is the solution. It is a solution. It might have some components of it that uh, might be t- pulled from it. If Block One was smart, and if EOS VC was smart, they would be working with multiple different types of, of KYC solutions, digital identity solutions. That way they could make the absolute best one, and that way they could also give users choices into which one they want to use.
0: I happen to agree, I mean, I think, if this was going to be some big B1, you know, hey, this is the identity solution we're using, I feel like they would have saved this for the B1 June event to have yet another piece of news on top of everything. But at the same time, it definitely is possible. You know, in the same way that EOS Name Service is using EOS DNS for our DNS solution instead of building our own, and that allows us to focus on other features and other products that we want to roll out, B1 could be doing the same with identity, where maybe they are building this decentralized app, whether it's a social network or something else entirely that needs an identity component. And maybe they went to these guys and said, hey, why don't you be our identity solution so that we can save time and then focus on other features and other stuff in their roadmap. But uh, I guess the only time will tell, and it is so exciting that we are only a couple weeks away from figuring out what it is that block one is going to reveal. Is it going to be a product? Is it just their roadmap? Dan has said we will get a five plus year roadmap from block one. We don't know how detailed it'll be or what it will include, but maybe, just maybe it will have this identity solution as a part of it. So we'll see.
1: We, we talked about this uh, when I first got back from San Fran and mentioned that MIOS might have a KYC component to it. But if it has that and it also comes with a revenue share, I think it would be well worth it. Um, but, Have your feelings changed on that at all? Like, do you think KYC will be a problem uh, for
0: mass adoption, I guess? No, I think, you know, your example of the scooter in San Francisco where you were like, oh, I never use KYC. And then the first thing the scooter app asked for was a photo of your driver's (laughs) license so that then you can get on the scooter. I think for the average user, KYC is just kind of a a part of your everyday life. Um, It definitely seems like block one throughout all of their communication through Dan or Brennan or the official handles, they really are looking at identity as a a piece to solve a lot of this. And Dan has has gone on to say in Telegram, not a direct quote, but verbatim, basically something along the lines of the government wants us to do a KYC version. There are a lot of things they wanted to do that you know, based on current regulation or maybe the advice of their legal team, they can't do. So if I had to guess, I would agree that block one solution likely will include a KYC component to interface with whatever identity solution Uh, They're trying to use but again, who knows maybe it'll just be something that they open source and let somebody else launch without KYC so uh, only time will tell
1: so we the holy grail of blockchain is having like this sovereign identity uh, So that you know that like you can't have multiple accounts like you could have multiple accounts but only one of them will have your identity attached to it or um, however, that'll work but if we wanted to do a unique identity to prove that it's just one person in the world um, like we've talked biometrics and all, all of that. But um, what I think will happen is for the genesis of whatever this system is in place, if the genesis users do require like a state ID, that's kind of how you get your your G- genesis members to the club. But over time, as it, as it grows, are you familiar with Gifty? It's kind of like a newer project. I don't think there's a lot of information no. about it. It's an EOS project but they have something called a web of trust and it basically means that to for a new member to join the project or the network let's say that they have to be invited by someone who's already a member so if i'm a member of this particular network and rob isn't and if i want to invite rob into the network i basically am risking some sort of stake to invite Rob into the network. And if over time, Rob is proven to be a bot or proven to be under a different account within that network, then not only does Rob get kicked out, but I'm punished also because I'm the one who invited him in. So I could see this as like almost like a Trojan horse the creating that genesis group of the network. And then over time, maybe the KYC component's not a requirement, but the requirement could change to some sort of social <laughs> proof that you're known by real people who are already in the network and they say you're a real person. So they're basically risking stake or maybe potential future UBI rewards or future revenue share rewards. So they're basically risking their own financial position to allow you into the network. So it's a a nice way to build trust.
0: My biggest hope with all of this honestly is just that it doesn't turn into some kind of a system like they have in China now with the social credit system. Obviously totally different. It's centralized. It's a government run thing. this will likely be decentralized and not be run by the government at all. Uh, but I'm hoping that when we talk about identity solution, there are all these things that pop into my mind about these like horrific 1984-esque, you know, dystopian futures. And I really hope that whatever this is sets the, the groundwork to make a future that, you know, even if there is a KYC component, that it's fully decentralized, you don't have one entity sort of deciding who can and can't be a part of the network based on a social credit score or something like that. Um, So that's my hope with all this is that it does good for the human race and doesn't uh, put humans under even more totalitarian control with some kind of crazy KYC.
1: And a, a big part of that, though, with the KYC is where, where is your data actually being stored? Is it encrypted? Absolutely. It, it should be like a black box where basically publicly all anyone could see is whether or not you've been KYC or if you give permission to like one piece of information like your age. I can give you my age. And because it comes out of this black box, you trust that I'm telling you the truth because you trust the system. You trust the code. So we'll, we'll see, man. Um, but I guess we should move along to the next subject, which is back yeah. to the Rex. So Rex passed a, a week or two ago. We talked about it on a previous episode, uh, but like the first day it launched, it was getting like fudded like crazy because everyone was upset about the uh, the returns on it, the interest rates on it, and. At, Initially, it was low because there wasn't enough data on it. And even still, like realistically, there's not a lot of data on it. But right now, we're at roughly a 1% APR, which basically means that if you're staked to the REX and you're voting for 21 or more block producers, that you will receive a 1% return on your EOS, which is exactly the same inflation rate happening to the entire network that goes to the block producers. So we were talking about this before we started recording, and you said it's almost like it's not not quite deflationary, it just
0: negates the network inflation. Oh, absolutely. And I think that is honestly a huge benefit for people, especially people who are long-term holders. You know, you're not using the resources in your account anyway. Uh, Instead of just letting them sit there and sort of inflate away by 1% a year, obviously it takes a long time for that to really impact your wealth overall. But that 1% can add up. So if you can negate that by getting 1% every year from Rex, you can actually completely offset inflation and just keep your same relative percentage Um, of the network as time goes on. So that, I think, is a cool feature. But I also think it's incredibly ironic that a lot of the people who were coming out saying, Rex isn't giving me enough money. I'm not making enough money off of Rex. These were the same people saying that EOS resources were too expensive just a few months ago. So now (laughs) that the resource problem has been solved, EOS resources are dirt cheap. You can come in with one EOS. I think you can buy something like, it was either $2,500, $25,000 worth of EOS resources to power your DAP or whatever you need. Um, it's incredibly cheap, and now people are saying that's a bad thing. No, that's an incredibly good thing that the barrier to entry for developers is so low. With just a couple dollars now, you can power an entire dApp. So that, I think, is amazing. It shows the power of Rex. And in the future, as demand for CPU goes up, we may see that 1% go up as well, especially if the EOSIO name fees... And the RAM fees are added into their Rex pool too. So to the people out there, incredibly hypocritical. But come on, EOS is so cheap now. This is so good for development and will be good for the chain overall.
1: My question for anyone who wants to complain that 1% isn't good enough, let me ask you, what were you getting before the Rex? You're getting nada. And the other thing is, how do we make that percentage go up? Well, we, we, we help with user adoption, mass adoption. We bring more dApps and like... What are you doing is my question. I could tell you what I've been doing. Rob and I have been doing this podcast every single week, at least one, every week for the last 65 plus weeks. We've been doing this every single week. We have not missed a beat. We have not missed a single show. Uh, we we we're onboarding new developers. We have 250 new developers learning EOS IO. If even one of those develops a killer DApp that onboards tens of thousands of users, and they don't want to actually buy and own the the tokens for for CPU, they're going to be using Rex. So it it, it happens to get to where we want to go. It takes all of us. Everyone needs to put in uh, more than they're taking out, and that that's how we're going to grow this pie. The the um. The other thing is with the 1% is if, if you believe that the EOS token value is going to go up, that it, you're actually going to get much more than a 1% gain. So if you're thinking like traditional banking with your savings account, if you're getting a 1% interest on $100, you're going to end the year with $101. But if, if you had 100 EOS tokens and you had a 1% gain, you have 101 EOS tokens. But if the value of those 101 tokens went up, you're going to get a significantly higher amount than, than just that that 1% that you you see on uh like the rate indicator on like blocks
0: right now Absolutely. And one thing I wanted to highlight also about Rex is that there's more than 50 million EOS that has come in, voted for block producers, and been added to this pool. So ultimately, the total number of people on the network has come up, the total number of people voting, which uh, is ultimately a great thing. The total supply goes down in terms of liquid supply that's that's unstaked. You know, more is staked in Rex and staked for a longer period of time. But at the same time, it also encourages that non-biased voter participation. So super excited about that. The more people staking and voting on EOS, the better for everyone. So uh, honestly, from my perspective, I think Rex has been a a relatively big success. 50 million EOS coming into it, 1% to offset inflation if you want to use that and hopefully higher percentages in the future as those fees and more people start using it.
1: So now now that Rex has been initiated, thanks to the EOS user agreement, makes it really easy to get things done now. The next big thing up for uh, debate is what to do with the 4% inflation and... The the debate last week was what to do with EOSIO.saving. So if you missed the news, which I I don't think you did by the time you see this, but (laughs) we burned 34 million tokens from the EOSIO saving account. And all of those tokens were the 4% uh, accumulation of inflation since the June mainnet launch. Um, But as of right now, so all of those tokens are burned, but over the last couple of days, it's already back up to 2 million EOS. So the 4% inflation is still being funneled into the EOS saving. And there's a lot of debate right now. There's a referendum actually um, that that says to reduce it to 1%. The referendum as of right now has 25 million EOS voting yes and 0% voting no.
0: Well, just to clarify first of all as well that 2 million EOS that's in EOSIO.saving now did not just accumulate over a couple of days. Um, it's just that throughout this whole voting process which took several weeks, that was when the EOSIO saving, you know, snapshot was taken and that number of EOS to be burned was locked in. So it continued to accumulate over a couple of weeks and that's why we have such a big chunk still left in there now. Um, it's just 4% over a year so much much more than mm. uh, just a couple of days just to be 100% I'm clear.
1: really glad you just corrected me on that because whenever I looked up this number when putting together the show notes, I was like, wow, that's a lot of EOS. And I didn't take the time to do the math. So basically, yeah. whenever it was first proposed a couple of months ago, they chose a specific block. And it's still been accumulating interest beyond that, is what you're saying.
0: Exactly. So if you look at the, the total you know, 4%, roughly 40 million EOS uh, a year, it's less than a million EOS a week that are accumulating. So it's been a couple of weeks for that 2 million EOS to actually accumulate. But now, like you said, the conversation is shifting to inflation. So even though those 34 or 35 million EOS tokens were burned, that EOS is still accumulating. So, in order to stop it from accumulating so that we don't have to burn every couple months, which might not be the worst thing in the world, but would be much easier to get rid of it. There's a proposal up now on the referendum system that has 100% approval, which is pretty wild, to reduce inflation from 5% down to just the 1% block producer pay inflation and totally get rid of the EOSIO debt saving accumulation. And Cypherglass actually just recently voted on this referendum and signaled our intent that, yes, we want to lower inflation right now when we will vote on the official block producer multi-sig proposal whenever it does go live.
1: So... I'm in favor of turning it down. I, I guess if I had a choice, I would maybe turn it off to like one and a half percent or something really, really like conservative, but I'm not gonna go against the court of public opinion, I guess either. And if a hundred percent of the EOS community who has voted on this referendum are saying lower it to 1%, I can get on board with that. I still think that we need to think about how we're going to fund community development outside of the block producers. Uh, So like, I know we gave up on the WPS a long time ago, but EOS New York had some ideas they put out a few weeks ago that we talked about. And I think that needs to be uh, where we circle this conversation around is who is supposed to fund um, like core development and infrastructure, like new history node uh, development, what was the other ones? An automated block, standby block producer testing system so that we could actually test the non-active nodes to make sure they're even running a server because you don't, you could actually, if you're like the number 50 block producer, let's say, all you need to do is uh, submit a specific, a reg produce uh, transaction, which basically says that this account is now a block producer. And you could do that without running a, a single web server. And you, as long as you got the votes, which a lot of these, uh, lower ranked BPs, some of them are probably getting like kickback votes from bigger BPs or from exchanges. Uh, we want to have a way that automates testing. So put them into the top 21 occasionally and, and test them or some other way who's going to fund development like that without like a WP, PS or a a commons fund of some sort?
0: I was initially in the same boat when it comes to the actual number of inflation, where initially I thought, hey, you know, let's just reduce it to one and a half percent or two percent and let that accumulate just in case. But as I thought more about it and really thought about the role of block producers on the network and our responsibility, I I sort of came to the conclusion in the Cypherglass team as well that it's a bit irresponsible to continue to let that inflation accumulate if we don't have a use for it. So like you're saying, I think the EU's New York proposal is great because that's a source of funding for community development projects that doesn't come from inflation. We don't have to have the whole network agree that, hey, you know, you can take those funds that we've all sort of been inflated away and have contributed to in some way, you don't have to take those and use them for your project. You can use these funds that don't come from inflation, that come from another source to fund those projects as well. So that I think is the way to move forward. However, based on you know the, the rapid innovation that's happening on EOS right now, the proposals that are getting approved, the things that are being, being just proposed and discussed, uh, I don't think it's out of the question that this could be turned on again in the future if there is, a really good way to do worker proposals that doesn't have whale manipulation and potential BP manipulation. If there is a way to do it, I'm confident the community will vote again to turn that inflation back on. But I think right now it's just irresponsible to continue to let it accumulate. So I, I think we've got to bring it da- back down to 1% and then explore other solutions like the one from EOS New York that are totally voluntary and opt in and don't use inflation for the funding source. I can get
1: behind that. So I, I think the the holy grail is the topic we talked about earlier: a unique identity solution. If we have that, th- it's much more likely that we'll be able to have a WPS type system in place. Yeah. Um, and then Blo- Brendan Bloomers also said it's not a base layer solution. So maybe it's like uh, some sort of like DAP level solution to do a WPS, or maybe it's it, it's something completely different. I, I just I don't think that we should continue to rely fully on block producers to do everything. I think the network can produce funding for other uh, non-block producing entities to contribute to the main net. But at this point, I I don't have the solution. I want to hear everyone else's opinions. So we we have to decide, one, let us know in the comments, what should we do with the inflation rate as it stands? Should we lower it to 1%, which is what 100% of the community wants so far? And then after we do that, what do we do with the 2 million plus EOS in the saving account that has accumulated since uh, the the date of the snapshot from that token burn uh, that we just had? And then also, what do we do with the accumulated funds in the EOS IO RAM fees account and also the daily name auction account? Because those also have um, two million EOS in the one, and I, I don't have notes for the other, but it, it's, it's probably also pretty high. So we have a couple million EOS just sitting in these accounts. We've already burned 34 million EOS. Do we burn the rest or what do we do with them? So I guess that's my question to you guys in the, uh, the comments.
0: Absolutely. And uh, speaking of community development, we, we've been talking about that a lot. Uh, there's some pretty big news coming out of Virginia Tech, which, of course, has that $3 million grant from Block One to set up this educational curriculum. But now they're really kind of building this blockchain developer community at Virginia Tech. And one of the ways they're doing it is through this blockchain competition. And has this been going on uh, for the entire semester? Is that right? Yeah, so
1: way back in January, uh, Block One kicked off the blockchain initiative at Virginia Tech with a blockchain boot camp program. So for one weekend in January, they invited all of the students who wanted to attend at Virginia Tech. And 300 of them showed up for like an eight-hour workshop learning about not only blockchain, but EOSIO specifically. So that kind of kicked off this initiative. And then after that initiative, they announced a semester-long contest, which was very similar to how the hackathons were done last year, except instead of it just occurring over one weekend, it happened over the entire semester. So there are different teams of undergrad students and graduate students who are who building blockchain projects uh, to fulfill the challenge of building a cutting edge blockchain application that provides value to the broader Virginia Tech community of students, faculty, staff, alumni, and friends. And they were all competing for a $25,000 prize. And all of this stuff was initiated by a $3 million grant that Block 1 uh, donated to Virginia Tech last May. That was May 2018. So that, that's why all of this stuff's happening at Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech, is a, it's, it's a university that's known for its engineering programs. It's in the same city as Bl- it's Blacksburg, Virginia. It's the same city as Block One. It's the same university that Dan Larimer is an alumni from. And as a matter of fact, he was just re- awarded an Outstanding Alumnus Award by the Computer Science Program at Virginia Tech. But the reason we're talking about all this Virginia Tech stuff is literally as we are recording this on Thursday – uh, the finals are going on. The pitch competition for this twenty-five thousand uh, uh, dollar prize pool that everyone's competing for. Um, and we had a team from the university on, on our, one of our shows a long time ago. JW and the Blockchain Boys. So by hey. the time this hey by the time this airs, the winners will already be decided. But just know we are rooting on the JW and the Blockchain Boys. That's who we're cheering for. Um, and it was also cool because the article. Uh, that was published by Virginia Tech. It kind of, and we'll have the link in the description, it described uh, what was going on, basically everything I just explained to you guys. But I'm gonna read a quote about uh, their favorite part of this competition. And they said, being invited to do a live podcast with everything EOS at the beginning of the challenge was a standout moment for JW and the Blockchain Boys. Quote, when our team walked into the Block One office two days later, every person commented on the podcast
0: giving us encouragement and feedback yeah buddy that means <laughs> they're so listening cool. they're watching i don't know what's i don't know what's cooler that we were an instrumental part of the jw and the blockchain boys making it to the finals and really getting them excited for the competition and excited for EOS or the fact that they say everybody at block one had watched the podcast and was kind of cheering them on. So I don't know which one is cooler, but it's just so cool to see more and more people building on EOS. That's what we're all about here at everything EOS.
1: And, and, uh, I guess one last thing is that the block one offered mentorship all throughout this program. Uh, but I want to know who the results are. By the time this airs, I'll I'll do the graphic editing. There will be a graphic on screen, hopefully saying congratulations to JW and the blockchain boys. (laughs) And not just for them, but we want to put an open invite out right now. As we close out the show, we want to let every team know who is involved in this Virginia Tech blockchain semester-long challenge. Reach out to us on Twitter. It's at everythingeos with an IO at the end. So everythingeos.io is our handle. Uh, We have our direct messages open even if we're not following each other. Reach out. We want to have you on the show. We want a recap of everything you guys did throughout this semester, what you learned about EOSIO, and what your next
0: steps are, if you have any. Absolutely. I think that is a great place to end it. Lots of good stuff happening, obviously, still in the month of May, even though B1 June is still a few weeks away. There is so much good news coming from the community, coming from ESVC, coming from Virginia Tech with JW and the Blockchain Boys. So, so much as usual, happening on EOS. Uh, should, we, should we let the people know, Zach? Should we give a, a little wrap up here?
1: How, how do we do it? We always mess this up. People say they like watching let us the do people it all know. Awkward. Let the
0: people know who you are.
1: All right, once again, I'm Zach Gall. I'm Rob Finch. And, and this,
0: this is, everything is Everything EOS. One, two, three, go, go EOS! Eos! <laughs> we'll hope it synced up. Anyway, see you guys next week. Later, guys. <laughs>